My name's Neil Roberts, and this is the Community Business Fix, the podcast that sheds light on communities taking matters into their own hands, supported by Power to Change, the independent trust that supports community businesses in England. We hope you'll take inspiration from these stories and maybe get involved yourself. In this show, we're in Stocksbridge, South Yorkshire, to meet a group of people who banded together to save their leisure centre from the bulldozers. Faye was one of them. She moved there from Sheffield, 16 miles away, in 1967, leaving her friends behind. When I had my first child, I felt very isolated, very lonely. I needed something. And somebody happened to mention that they did a ladies' session on Wednesday mornings. So I came along to one of the sessions and realised that there were lots of other women who were in the same position and we made friends and I felt for the first time in about five years part of a community. The community Faye found herself joining was forged in the furnaces of the town established in the Industrial Revolution. This is local resident Roz. Well, basically it all stems from the works, the steelworks. People worked together, grew together, had children at the same time. You just know everybody. With steel at its heart, Stocksbridge has a long and proud history of self-help. Oxley Park, the land the leisure centre was built on, was bequeathed to the town by a local philanthropist, Thomas Oxley. He'd made his fortune from his English fruit preserving company, making jams, and was fondly known as Jammy Oxley. The leisure centre was built on the parkland in 1970. Graham Silwood was one of the local youngsters waiting excitedly for the doors to open. I remember the very first day that the swimming pool opened. I think I was probably somewhere between 10 and early teens and queued to get in for the first swim, a queue that went down off the leisure centre grounds onto the road below and round the corner. And we waited longer to get in the length of time that we were swimming, much longer. So Jamie Oxley had gifted the land on which the leisure centre was built. But the funding for it came from local people by way of public subscription. Andy Clark has lived in Stocksbridge for 45 years. He worked in further education before taking early retirement. But it didn't suit him, so he became involved with a local community development trust. And he's now chief executive of the trust which manages the leisure centre. With that sense of ownership of the leisure centre, the news in April 2013 that the centre was to be closed came as a bombshell. Local authority cuts were biting and the council decreed it unprofitable. Here's Andy Clark again. I was at home and I heard the news on the local radio that an announcement had been made, which was, came as a surprise because there'd been no discussions, there'd been no public sort of consultation around any of that. And so it, it really sort of came a bit out of the blue. And I think it was like that for a lot of people in the area. Diane Hind was working at the leisure centre when the news broke of the closure and saw firsthand the effect it had on those who used it. They were very, very disappointed. They were a little bit worried about what would be here, whether it would be houses, whether they'd just be a pile of rubble, if there'd be anywhere for the kids to go, the older community as well. You know, what an awful shame that you've got a, a good-sized local facility there that is now again another potential closure 
because that came on the back of a raft of other closures. The advice centre in Stocksbridge was closed, the youth club in Stocksbridge was shut, and it just seemed to be an endless train of local authority withdrawal of services due to financial constraints, and this was like the final straw sort of thing. The building and the swimming pool itself were in need of repair, and the number of people using it were dwindling. With tough budgetary choices to make, and the Leisure Centre reportedly losing £400,000 a year, Sheffield City Council made the decision to shut it. But the community was angry. They felt there had been no proper public consultation. A public meeting was held with council representatives to try and reverse the decision. Andy Clark was there, as was Jill Martin, one of the Leisure Centre's volunteers. The public's feeling was intense. And the meetings about keeping it open, closing it down, were very fraught and highly charged with emotion. I did feel that there was a challenge there. And if there's one thing that I am, it's up for a challenge. So I felt really passionate about trying to get involved, to do something positive and to try and get something positive out of what seemed to be a pretty dire situation. Campaigning began in earnest, which included a series of protests and publicity stunts to raise awareness. One of them was a winter swim down the River Don, and then the campaigners upped the stakes. We actually took Sheffield City Council to court and sought a judicial review. And I think there were hearings at Manchester and Leeds, and we were actually granted a judicial review. And I think it, it was at that sort of point when the local authority thought, blimey, they really mean business. And that was useful because it actually made them take us seriously. But the council wouldn't budge, so Andy and his team, Faye and Julie among them, had to come up with a compromise. If they couldn't do it, were they prepared to let the community have a, have a go at it? And that was the compromise, so we, we were given a challenge of could we come up with a, a viable business plan in three months to actually take over managing the facility on a community-run basis. We've got quite an active volunteer community as well in Stocksbridge, which is rare, I've found. I thought it was normal, but it is very, very rare from what I can gather that you get such a community that is involved and passionate about what they're doing. With Andy Clark's experience in community development, he knew there was a local pool of talent that could be tapped to run and develop the leisure centre. The first meeting that we had we tried to identify what people's interests were. We asked people to write down what their skills were, what their area of interest was. What we tried to do was pull all that together and create discrete groups. So there were people that had got IT skills and marketing skills and sales. So they, they formed one working group. There were people that had got legal expertise um, political ambitions, so they formed a legal team. There were people that had got business experience, so they formed a business team. There were people with communication skills and fundraising skills, so they formed another team. And what we did was we got all the teams working together and the lead from each one came together and formed part of the management group. I wouldn't have normally have got involved with anything like that. I think it's just because it was very much affecting my family in a sense. My children weren't going to be able to learn to swim and my husband wouldn't be able to come up here to help with the rehabilitation. 
So it was that that sort of like spurred me on, you know, to starting with the fundraising group and helping just to generate whatever funds we could to get the place open. The activities of the community group impressed the council to the extent that it held off the bulldozers and earned them a stay of execution. The Leisure Centre actually closed in April 2013 and what the council did was they agreed to mothball the facility rather than shut everything off so they mothballed it, kept certain things ticking over such that it could come back on stream to buy us three months time to try and get a viable business plan together. While the council kept the leisure centre closed and maintained to stop the building deteriorating, Andy and his team set about writing their business plan. In business terms, the priority was to dig down into why the leisure centre was losing so much money. The building was operating at a million pounds and it was generating 600,000 pounds. And the staffing bill at that time was actually in excess of what the income was. What we identified was that there were quite a lot of economies that could be made. During the summer of 2013, the council accepted their business plan and symbolically handed over the keys to the trust. Now it was down to them to make it work. Trevor Fowler was the project manager. While some see problems, Trevor's a practical man who sees only challenges. It was an interesting day when myself and Andy turned up at the front door and we got the keys. I looked at Andy and I could see his face drop, him thinking, what have we let ourselves in for? And me thinking, oh, this is a challenge. Let's do it. We put a call out for volunteers and we had about 300 people turn up prepared to clean, paint, do whatever was needed to fettle the place over a three month period. From that, we managed to establish a core nucleus of people that were prepared to continue volunteering on a longer term basis. And so we utilised volunteers, we didn't employ any staff at that time. And we organised ourselves so that we could basically operate the bare bones of a service. Bearing in mind that at this time, none of us had ever run a leisure centre in our lives. Trevor Fowler plays down his role, describing it simply as keeping the place running. As you can imagine, it keeps him busy. We wanted to talk to him, but first we had to track him down in the labyrinth of halls and corridors. We couldn't find him, so he enlisted some help. It's the staff announcement. Can Trevor please come to reception, please? Trevor responded to the call and led us to the plant room, the nerve centre of the whole operation. The community, he told us, found the money, but when they spent it, the watchword was sustainability. The biggest cost in any business venture is normally the people. At a leisure centre, that's closely followed by the amount of energy needed to heat two big halls and 587,500 litres of water, enough to fill over 7,000 domestic baths. To make the leisure centre work, they needed to adopt cutting-edge technology in the form of what's known as biomass boilers. We're in the wet side plant room now. Um, in front of you, you can see the two gas boilers. Around the corner, there are the two biomass boilers. Around the other corner, there is the filters for both the pools. The plant room is the concrete realisation of those three months writing business plans. 
understanding where the leaks were in the council's operation and how they could plug those leaks by innovation. Trevor Fowler's background is in energy conservation and managing energy budgets, so he was the perfect candidate for the job. Two biomass boilers in what was the old coal store when this building was run with coal-fired boilers, which predate the two gas boilers. And the two biomass boilers can tell me from the screen here what they are doing. Buffer is telling me that it's above 70 degrees, which means the gas boiler won't kick in. Which is saving money. It's all saving money. Yep. They're more efficient than the old gas boilers. The cost of the energy is similar to the gas, but the government give us an incentive for using them. From an environmental point of view, biomass boilers, okay, they do generate CO2, but they're not fossil fuel. The wood chips can be regenerated in a much shorter time than gas or oil. We have 300 solar cells on the roof, each producing about a quarter of a kilowatt, which would give us 75 kilowatts when the sun is belting down. And 75 kilowatts is the equivalent of 25 electric kettles on full time. From an energy bill of 168,000, we're down to an energy bill of 88,000. In terms of energy that the solar panels are being used, it's, it's halved our electricity consumption. The Leisure Centre reopened its doors to the public in January 2014 and the main pool came into operation again in April 2016. Power to Change granted just over £300,000 to help make this happen through their Community Business Fund, which reopens in September. The money was spent on the solar panels, an air handling unit to recoup and recycle heat lost from the building, double glazing and refurbishment of the pool filters. It also provided working capital during the first 18 months of the pool operation. The solar panels and the huge biomass boilers are the most visible signs of technological innovation. But the smaller, less obvious innovations are no less important to saving money as well as the environment, such as LED light bulbs, lighting sensors and timers. Leaving Trevor in the plant room, we head up to the main hall. All the things you'd expect to see happening at a leisure centre are happening here. Squash, gymnastics, keep fit, trampolining, jiu-jitsu, and some you might not expect, like indoor car boot sales and summer fairs. Anita Grafton is part of the Young at Heart group. We're actually in the main hall, and this is the over-40s group, and they range from the age of 50 to the great old age of 84, and they're absolutely amazing. But also we've got young right through to the elderly, including uh, grandparents who come to watch the children swimming, etc., and parents. I come to the gym on a regular basis and I bring my grandchildren to swimming lessons and I do swim sometimes. Sue worked at the centre when it was run by the council. She's now responsible for the pool and everything that goes on in it. It's an impressive size with an impressive range of activities. Aquafit, Aquadeep, Wrigglers and Tiddlers, pool parties. Something for all ages and abilities. It's um, 25 metres by 12 and a half. It starts at the shallow end is one metre. It goes down to 1.7, then there's a slope, and it goes into about three metres deep. It's one of the deepest in Sheffield. A pool of this size, which is uh, technically classed as a district pool, it's a big bonus for us. 
all the parents that come to watch the kids having swimming lessons all sit up here and, and on the balcony they can watch the kids swimming and every so often there are league events that take place here and this balcony which takes up to 250 people will be packed to the rafters. Did you get to wear today? My badge. You got a badge didn't you for doing a super good job? Yeah. <laughs> well it brings people together I think. I mean I only live across the road so it's perfect for me coming here. The lad does swimming, daughter has dancing lessons here, both do cricket on a Friday here. Honestly, I don't know what we'd do without it. We won't be doing the activities that we do anyway if we didn't have this here, definitely. At the poolside, we catch up with volunteer Jill and Faye again, who we met at the start of the show. You'll remember how important the community she found at the Leisure Centre was to her when she moved to Stocksbridge from Sheffield. It's still important, now for different reasons, but the community element is as strong as it always was. I'm in my 70s now, my husband's had a stroke. Our needs have changed. We need it now for health and well-being rather than recreation. Keith is severely disabled. We've now started working with the local brain injuries unit. We're starting aqua care for disabled people with qualified physiotherapists. From the well-being point of view, for, for people who come to say, for example, chair aerobics or some of the things that for older people, loneliness can be quite a problem with older people. So coming and doing something active and then having a nice cup of tea and a biscuit can lighten the week. And then for young children that are learning to get along with people and they come to the junior classes or the little swimming classes, then there's a bonus there. And then for people in the middle, and at the top end, like myself, we like coming and meeting a variety of people. And it, it's always interesting. Well, I think you could say life-enhancing, if that's not too elaborate. Today, Anita's life-enhancing Young at Heart group are playing badminton. There's one lady in particular, Amy, she's 84, and she's fantastic. She cycles and everything, and the first thing when she comes is wanting a hug. You know, so it's about people caring for each other as well. And they're an amazing group, they're all very sociable, all come from different backgrounds quite educated a lot of them as well but they don't have to be and they come and have a free session if they like it they stay and generally speaking they've stayed so that's good. The range of activities offered at Stocksbridge Community Leisure Centre plus the new technology that keeps it running have achieved what the council failed to do make it economically viable which of course takes us back to Andy Clark's motto. We are sustainable all the money comes from fee paying people can become members of the gym or become swim members or leisure members or gym and swim members we have a team membership and so we're generating something like £140,000 just in membership income which is regular monthly income coming in over you know every month that sustainability was achieved within a year two years ahead of schedule in their original business plan it's now the largest community-run leisure centre in the region and that's impressed the council, who've offered them an extension to the original 25-year lease. Certainly a, a big vote of confidence, and I think they were more than happy to do it. I think after six years of operating and seeing how we've operated and how successful we've been, they were more than happy to endorse that. We were on a 25-year lease, of which four or five years of that had expired, so in terms of looking at developing for capital funding. We thought that you know a longer term lease would 
put us in a stronger position. So what's the next challenge for Andy and the team? We're currently trying to seek funding. We're looking at a million pound development to address an awful lot of the inadequacies of the building. One of the things that we'd like to do is improve the accessibility both around the building once you get into it, but actually access into the building. And that in itself will help us develop the business because there's a lot of business opportunities that we can tap into once we get the access right. A lot of the health deliverers that we're talking to have said we'd love to come and we, we, there is a need to deliver here and there is a will to deliver here but you need to get your access sorted out because we can't use your well access is so poor. The accessibility issue is one that many councils with ageing building stock are now facing for members of the community with disabilities. Quite a challenge given that it was certainly not a priority 30 or 40 years ago. But the community trust are more than capable of meeting that challenge, just as they've succeeded in doing what many thought impossible, bringing their leisure centre back to life and back into the hands of the community, young or old. We'll finish, as we usually do, with some tips for those of you involved with or thinking of embarking on a community business project. This time from Sue Stones, Chief Exec of community-run Bramley Baths in Leeds. But first, Mark Gordon, Director of Communication and Partnerships at Power to Change, has a funding tip for you. If you are inspired by the story of Stocksbridge Leisure Centre and you are about to run or have your eyes on a local authority-run facility like a leisure centre, you will want to look towards Power to Change's Community Business Fund. That is for major often capital projects of this nature. Take a look on our website, powertochange.org.uk and make sure you subscribe to our newsletter so that you can see when the next window is opening for applications. One of the groups that we found particularly useful is Locality. They're a network who support community organisations to be strong and successful. I've been to some workshops with them and they've been on the end of the phone with practical advice and tips when we need it, so I'd really recommend them. We're also members of Community Leisure UK and that group enables me to meet up with other like-minded chief executives from other small swimming pools and community baths around the north of England and also I've recently discovered the FSI which is the Foundation for Social Improvement and they are a great service for offering training courses which are subsidised advice and mentoring to help to secure funding for things like energy projects or, or disabled pool hoists which is the things that you need particularly capital investment for a small community business so I'd really recommend them. We make lots of mistakes day to day, but hopefully we only make the mistake once and we learn from them. What we try to do is be open-minded about taking a little bit of a risk, not obviously with people's safety, but in terms of the events we put on. Once we put a, an orchestra floating in the middle of the pool whilst people were swimming around, which was a fantastic event and got us lots of press, but obviously was a big learning curve in terms of actually making that happen. Thanks for those tips from Sue Stones, Chief Exec at Bramley Baths in Leeds. And if you want to find out more, including the links Sue mentioned, check out our show notes. 
If this story has inspired you to set up a community business, delve into the rest of our shows and check out powertochange.org.uk, where you can find the latest news on events, other grants and support. We'll be adding links and other useful information on the show notes for this episode, and you can connect with us by following on Twitter, at the CBFix. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your experiences that connect with the show. We like to get these stories to as many people as possible, so we'd love it if you could share the show with at least one person you know that might benefit from hearing these stories. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Community Business Fix in your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening to this Fieldwork production commissioned by Power to Change. It was presented by me, Neil Roberts, with research and production by Curtis James, co-production sound and music by Simon James, writing and executive production by Chris Paling.